Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and that's why when someone tells me they listen to my podcast, I don't spend the day with them. <laughs> Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. I've been in the infinity pool, and I'll never be clean again. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Cannonball! <laughs> this is a glass bottom pool, Jeff. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Infinity Pool, the newest film by Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and YouTube and Instagram at thefilmcastpod. Find us on TikTok at thefilmcast. Uh, guys, I just read a story this morning about how Infinity Pool uh, was rated... NC-17 initially. Love uh, it. And yes, then they I had can see to, why. Yeah. They had to cut out, they had to remove five seconds of the movie <laughs> to bring it down to an R rating. And five so that, seconds. That I is, cannot... that is mm-hmm. the version that most people saw this past weekend. Um, but yeah. Man, well, and so most I, people I, saw the R version, you said? Yeah, most people saw the R I version. I want to know what, five, what the five seconds did that the Listen, rest of the movie did I saw didn't. this thing. I, I yeah, saw the I Sundance you saw, you saw the Sundance, so I think you probably saw the original I, I can, uncut version. I can version. specifically imagine which five seconds mm-hmm, that yes. they cut. <laughs> yeah. You can vividly imagine. Uh-huh. Ha, ha, Devinder has been vividly imagining that five seconds for... Have you? Did um, you see the NC-17 version, Dave? No, I saw. I went to theater to see that. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, good for them. Good for them. They got it. Uh, they got it down Love to it. an R rating. It's so. this is going to be a possessor type thing again because possessor and cut was also a little wilder than the normal. Well, one. no, 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 no. So this is a. Mm-hmm. I think this is a common misconception. Is possessor uh-huh. uncut is actually the name of the movie, and that's why they say at the beginning of the movie, this movie has not been modified. So it's just uh-huh. like the name of the movie is just possessor uncut. It's very confusing. That's very. I don't funny. know why. I that's don't know very why weird. Put, yeah. It's like bigger, longer, un- South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut. Because we've It'll only be ever a- talked about that movie as possessor. So, it, it would huh. be like if I if we, we called this episode like the film cast uncut, but it's like, hey, actually, um, it has. We do been lots changed. of cuts. There's lots of cuts. <laughs> we, we do so many cuts. We I don't know if people can tell this podcast is edited to within an inch of its life every single week. <laughs> can okay? I tell you? Uh, you should see what's on the cutting room floor. You should see what's on the cutting room floor. It's if you horrible. think this is horrible. bad, <laughs> <laughs> if you think that, if you think what you hear is awful, then yes, just imagine <laughs> you what, what see makes, the yeah. five seconds that doesn't make the show NC seventeen. Um, my experience of going see, to see Infinity Pool in the movie theater, I went on a 1.15 p.m. daytime screening. And it was in a very, very small theater in the back of the multiplex. And the the I, one I, nobody goes to. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to go through a curtain to get there, Jeff? <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, as I, as I always do, I, w- I waited outside and waited for the <laughs> trailers to play and then walked in during, uh, in, you know, uh, uh, Nicole Kidman's triumphant mm-hmm. assessment of the AMC theaters. Um, and so the lights are still fully on. And as I'm walking in, this oh. is, everybody has taken their seats other than me. And I look up to this, you know, I think there's only like six or eight rows in the entire theater. <laughs> and it is, there are no pairs of people. Uh, yeah. It is only <laughs> single seated, mm-hmm. all male Sicko dude, and all their hands are in their pockets for some reason. Yeah, it, it was the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. It was a series of <laughs> single seated males, no women in the entire theater. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, I, I'm, and they all I'm looked at you worried. and nodded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are here friend, for the same friend, thing. Friend of the podcast, uh, Jose told me, uh, that he went to go see Infinity Pool and there was a couple with a four year old child. Wow, <sighs> in the back of the theater. 
That's yeah. just smart parenting because you want to prepare your kid. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, this we want to. Why you, know, you don't make friends on vacation? Okay. <laughs> well, you you know, you got to teach a kid how to swim. You know, you d- throw them into the deep end. That's yeah, my throw them into the infinity pool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what you have to. This this conversation is what you have to look forward to at the end of this episode. Of course, before that, we got some what we've been watching for you and some film news we want to discuss. Uh, and you can always support this podcast at patreon.com slash film podcast next week on the after dark. Our current plan is to discuss as many magic Mike movies as possible mm. in the lead up to our main review of magic Mike's last dance. We will watch as much thrusting and grinding as, as we can couple, tolerate in a because there, those movies are great. Yeah. There are, there's at least one of us on the, I'm not going to say who, <laughs> but there's at least one of us on the show. That's never seen a magic Mike movie. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, yeah. It, it, it might be a bluff Blanata thing. Yeah. <laughs> Given that we have reviewed um, at least one of these movies, yeah. Well, I, think that's <laughs> I don't think I was out. here for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thanks, that's Jeff. Fa- I think that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whose fault is that? Okay, anyway. Uh, so, yes, next week on The After Dark at patreon.com slash film podcast, we got some Magic Mike uh, part one and double XL we're going to talk about in The After Dark, and then uh, we're going to follow that up with a main review of Magic Mike's Last Dance the week after that. So thanks to everyone at patreon.com slash filmpodcast who supports us. Let's talk about the big news that happened this last week, which is Oscar nominations, folks. Uh, the Oscar nominations were announced. We generally don't spend that much time talking about award shows on this podcast, but uh, twice a year, we talk about the Oscar nominations and the results when the show <laughs> airs. Because I think it is, you know, it is the main... Mm-hmm awards show i think for the best our, that, our that's a good form. amount yeah I, oh 100 agree 100 agree um but that does mean we got to talk about these nominations so uh the big news in my opinion right like the big winner of the day uh from the oscar nominations that were announced last week were was everything everywhere all at once which got mm-hmm. 11 nominations but there was also like a very wide variety of movies that got nominated all quiet Love on the it. western yeah. front and Banshees and Vinny Sheeran each got nine nominations. Elvis got eight nominations. Fableman's got seven nominations. Top Gun, Maverick, and Tar got six nominations each. The only thing those movies have in common ever. Um, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever got five nominations. So, like, that's a not only are most of those movies pretty good, mm-hmm. um, but it's also like a very wide variety of movies. Some of them made less than $10 million at the box office, some made more than $700 million at the box office. Uh, and it's a, it's a wide variety of pretty good movies. So like, that's, yeah. that's a big story, uh, of like what's coming out of the Oscars this year. But I asked each of us to kind of talk about what we really appreciated and what we didn't appreciate about this year's Oscars. Obviously everything, everywhere, all at once, my favorite movie of the year, your guy's favorite movie of the mm-hmm. year. Um, it, it is on, I, I will admit I am stunned that I, this yeah, movie, let's keep this momentum going. Yeah. I, I, I am stunned because. When we saw that movie, you know, that's a movie that's like, oh, this is like an underdog movie. Right. Like, this maybe, is a weird little indie movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah, just yeah. an underdog, but like not even on most people's radar, it seemed right. at that time, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's certainly not like, oh, this is the movie that's going to be, you know, right. when, when you saw Banshees of Any Sheer and people are like, oh, this one might be mm-hmm. Best Picture because yeah. it's I think, uh, Martin McDonough's like follow up, yes, you know, yes. and so on. So it's like, yeah, but yeah, there are things that scream Oscar movie to me. Right. Fableman's felt yes. like, okay, well, here's yeah. here's all the Academy Award nominations. Here's a scene that will be an academy award yeah. nomination like, yeah, yeah 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 but everything ever all, all at once uh not a typical movie that gets nominated uh, in terms of its genre in terms of its cast you know these in terms this of is its just, uh content of yeah. sex toys you know <laughs> yes, like yeah pro- probably one of the first best picture nominees to prominently feature massive dildos in it mm-hmm, is my mm-hmm. guess you know so 
Um, Definitely so yeah. the only one with a butt plug fight. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So you guys clearly haven't seen on the waterfront. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, super happy about everything everywhere all at once. There's also multiple actors from that movie nominated. Um, Michelle, uh, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, the big one that I was really excited about is Stephanie Hsu, you know, who Love it. Uh, is really early on in her career and to get an uh, Oscar nomination is going to be a huge deal for her. Uh, Ki-Hui Kwan, obviously so coming great. back to Hollywood and like now I think legitimately has a career, you know, mm-hmm. in Hollywood is from what my sense. And I so, mean, I hope so. We'll see. But, we'll yeah. see. But like, it's, it's what it seems like it's trending towards. I, so. I think he's the odds on favorite to win uh best supporting actor. And I would welcome it. I think he's amazing. And, and definitely, I mean, he could have been nominated as best lead actor in that movie, but mm-hmm. also I really love Judd Hirsch's performance in the Fablemans. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I didn't really love that movie, yeah. but his, his, it really is a supporting actor role sure. and it really mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. quite special. And he, I just, he knew the assignment and yeah. uh, he definitely delivered for that. <laughs> yeah. scene. But I, yeah. You know, uh, if, if uh, Kikwan wins, I think that'd be great mm-hmm. too. Uh, I'm also going to say, speaking of acting nominations, I'm really happy that Angela Bassett got nominated for best supporting actress. I thought she was awesome. She was in my opinion, the best part of black Panther Wakanda forever. Definitely like, her oh, and yeah. the, her and the villain, but yeah, yeah mm-hmm. she was great. Um, is that the first Marvel film that has had an Oscar nomination? It is the first Marvel film that has been nominated in the acting category. Right. Wow. That's what I meant to say. Marvel yeah. films have been nominated for like, you know, uh, uh, special effects and, and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Uh, it, so, was, it was good to see her. I think the the main thing I would say is like, wow, at least the Oscars are celebrating one black woman mm-hmm. because pretty much entirely they have been shut out of uh, this year's award season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, when I, when we were talking about our end of year stuff guys, and I was saying like, I don't think people fully got the women King, like in terms well, of okay, how yeah. good it is. So, you know? so I gave yeah. Devendra a difficult time for uh-huh. listing the woman King as an underrated movie. Cause I was like, this movie was a big hit. Critics loved yeah. it. Well, Clear, clearly it will <laughs> always be beloved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, Devendra, I'm saying, you know, I'm doing a lot of Mia Culpas in the podcast recently, but yes, Mia, Mia Culpa, you called it Devendra. It was underrated, at least when it came to the Oscars. The King, Woman yeah, King yeah. was completely shut out. Completely. No director, any, um, no, no Viola no director, Davis. Not like, uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it, it is actually honestly stunning to me because um, even in the below the line ca- categories, yes. I think it deserves yes. some love. So it's just... It is uh, really stunning. Obviously, I know you are a big fan of Daniel Detweiler in Till as well. Till, and also the love. director of that movie. So it's just uh, so Robert Daniels has a good piece. That, uh, you know, guest on the show at one point. Um, his piece. It's not just the Oscars that fail black women. It's the entire awards ecosystem. Well worth a read. It's at the L.A. Times, and that is the big bummer for me this year because it keeps happening. Right, Ava DuVernay pretty much shut out. Like black women in general do not get much of a much of a spotlight during the Oscars. So would love to see that change. It's obviously caused a lot of controversy too, because uh, somebody who got an Oscar nomination for uh, best actress Mm -hmm. is Andrea Riseborough in To Leslie. This is a topic of great uh, dissension online and in the Academy right now um, of like, how was Andrea Riseborough in this movie To Leslie, which basically... Very few people know about or have seen. It has made tens of thousands of dollars. Tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Now, there are so many different competing opinions on this. Like the, the big the big kind of controversy from my perspective is that like um sh- she was able to with basically like by calling on her friends, um, mm-hmm. get a nomination in a category. Do that- we do we know if she called on them or was this like an independent friend, you know, action? 
That's uh, my question. Well, but, my yeah. my understanding is like one of the uh, filmmakers uh, mm-hmm. was really proactive in driving uh, the campaign for this. Sure, but it, but uh, I think on the one hand, it's like, oh, this is cool. This is super cool that a it's small cool. indie film we love was Andrea Riseborough. Yes. Yeah, and Andrea Riseborough is awesome in general, and like she hasn't really gotten that much Oscar love in the past. So it's like it's wonderful that she can like we. It should be a celebrated mm-hmm. thing that somebody can like a, a tiny tiny movie can score an oscar nomination in this way on the flip side uh she probably took uh a slot that would have gone to a black woman i don't that, yeah you know? the, like and, i don't it's certainly easy to say that and i think the robert daniels piece even directly like addresses this yeah it's which, definitely, which is like do not yeah. blame i think yeah, one of the yeah. thrusts of his piece was do not blame andrew riseborough i would not like, i would not blame, blame, blame the system yeah. in which andrew riseborough exists and For i think sure. that's a great uh, I do recommend that piece by Robert Daniels in the LA Times. It's worth checking out. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but it's I, uh, is this just a, like what is the normal way you get nominated? Right, you you wine and dine. You yeah. spend money on Academy screenings. You get a uh, billboard. You get like advertisements. Like you try to get your movie in the front of the eyes of voters. And having like a direct online action like does not. Sure, it's different. I don't think that's any worse than spending millions to promote your movie to voters, you know? 100% agree. I, I don't yeah. think it, it, there's anything it, wrong it with it. It definitely feels like there. punching down to me. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, it's like Top Gun Maverick was nominated for Best Picture. Do you think this mm-hmm. is more egregious than this woman who puts in an incredibly heart-wrenching performance <laughs> mm-hmm. in this tiny little movie? I think, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, there's <laughs> one movie made a whole bunch of money in a time when a lot of movies weren't making money. It's not... I like Top Gun Maverick a lot. It ain't best picture. It does not need this award, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I do, I did just want to acknowledge that, like, there mm-hmm. are heated opinions on both sides of that argument, but uh, I, I kind of see both sides. On the one hand, uh, this, this is like a best case scenario for an indie film, and we should, yeah. we should want things like this to be able to happen to indie films. Um, but also the system is horribly broken, you know, and, and I, I completely agree. So. I, I think part of the reason people are a little annoyed too is like it was kind of a memefied sort of campaign where it seemed like everybody just copied and pasted the same basic text about the movie. And I think that irks people too. Like that just feels like, are you it just feels spamming like, us? It, it feels inauthentic yes. to people, right? Yes. But, but yes, there's a lot about the Oscars that are inauthentic. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Kanata, any uh, any things you were heartened by in this uh, list of uh, nominees? Oh, quite a number of them. Um, I mean, I was uh, very pleased to see uh, that. Um, um, sorry, Bill Nye. Yeah, Bill, I was going to say Bill Nye in Living. Bill Nye yeah, in Living got actor, got yeah. nominated. I think it's a I think it's a lovely, subtle, small, beautiful. Like I said, delicate flower of a performance, delicate flower of a movie. Uh, I don't think he has a, a chance uh, to win, but I love that he's, he was nominated. I just think that's great. Um, uh, I, I already mentioned Jed Hirsch. I think that's that's awesome. I, I lo- obviously love seeing all of the stuff for every, everything everywhere all at once. I just adore that movie, and I'm so glad it has reached this sort of crescendo of, of sort of mainstream acceptance that is the Oscars. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I think it's absurd... This has been that way for a long time, but I think it's absurd that there are ten best picture nominees yes. and only five best director nominees. Hundred percent, these movies direct themselves. You know, <laughs> absurd. It's, we- it's a weird. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Weird. I'm very, very glad to see Women Talking nominated yeah. for mm-hmm. best picture. I don't understand how it doesn't get a best director nomination. That's absurd. Uh, I was very glad to see. Um, uh, Triangle of Sadness get nominations. Yeah, that's a, a small little movie too. That felt, yeah. you know, very. Um, yeah, I didn't think it really was I, noticed I do wonder, by most. How do the voters kind of look at that? It's like, ha ha, that's us. 
They're making fun of <laughs> Right. I feel right. targeted right now. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, so true. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, I love that Sea Beast got a nomination. You know, yeah, I've been championing yeah. that movie for a long time. I think it, it very much deserves. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to win, but I think it. Uh, I think it's going to be Pinocchio's year for animated feature. But I think Sea Beast certainly would get the win in my book. Um, obviously, you know, thought it was cool that Avatar got a Best Picture nomination. Uh, I just ranted about Top Gun Maverick, and I, I know other people would apply that to Avatar, but <laughs> I would not. I don't think those are in the same uh, category in my mind, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of really great stuff to see here, but it mm-hmm. it, it, it remains a problematic and uh, you know fraught with uh, <laughs> difficulty uh, endeavor. The Oscars, and yeah. uh, you know, it's unfortunate that. It, just structurally it doesn't seem to it seems to cause more problems than anything else <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? but mm-hmm. but yeah i mean there's a lot i think way more than last year i'm pretty darn happy with mm-hmm. uh, you know i think the the movies that are being celebrated here are some of my favorite movies of the year Absolutely. yeah well so, the, the big news right this year in addition to the variety is how many uh, i'm sorry how many movies are nominated that people have actually seen Unlike right. last year, right? Like yep. this year, you got movies that have many movies that have made over a hundred million dollars. Um, Everything, every wall at once. Top Gun, Maverick, uh, Avatar: The Way of Water, and Elvis. You know, those are yeah. those are like hit movies, uh, which were very much in short. So the only Best Picture nominee that made over a hundred million dollars last year was Dune, and yeah. nothing else. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, this is definitely a, a, an Oscars that I think more people will tune into because they've actually seen some of these movies yeah, and that's sure. fun and exciting. You know? And my, you know, we did our top 10 of 2022. My top three movies of the year are all nominated for best picture. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. I don't pretty remember great. the last time that has happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I, cool. I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think I align with the, these nominations more than I have in quite a while. Yep. Personally. Devendra, Devendra, any other thoughts on, I mean, uh, Cool nominees or nominees you wish you'd seen? I'm very glad. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I wish I had seen. I still haven't seen All Quiet on the Western Front, and I am surprised to see the love for that, given that it was a Netflix release and there wasn't really that much buzz towards yeah. the end of the year around it. Yeah. Like, you guys liked it, but I didn't really see too many people talking about it. So that's surprising. Well, uh, Jeff yeah. hasn't finished watching it. It was on okay. my top 10 of the year. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But yeah. Also, happy that, um, you know, movie I hated. The Whale did not, it, it got the noms that I think kind of deserved it. Uh, Brandon Fraser and Hong Chao, and I believe uh, the makeup, right? Um, but not not director, not best picture. Like, <laughs> I, I genuinely hate that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm very just happy. happy. Did you just happy that one didn't get nominated? But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's but yeah. not encourage Aronofsky. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy to see Hong Chao get a nomination, particularly. But yeah, for- Hong Chao, basically the master of being the best in a bad movie. Like she is just mm-hmm. often she's, that person. She's really good in that movie, yeah. I think. Um, so, uh, and fun to see Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery get nominated for best adapted screenplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Funny that was that cool. I don't understand the rules for adapted. And the, see, the, the rule, the rule no is sense. if it is a sequel, yeah. it is automatically best. You are adapting the but first property. Isn't that? It's silly. It's it weird. Is counterintuitive it's weird. to how yeah. that is supposed to how it makes sense in your head. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, but nothing makes sense, Jeff. Like the fact that I, I'm going to read um, the nominees for best original song. Okay, um, "Hold My Hand" from Top Gun Maverick. Good one. "Lift Me Up" from Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Good one. Uh, "Not to Not to" from RRR, which, by the way, unfortunately got shut out. Other than best song, ridiculous. Um, so that's yeah. sad. 
and this is a life from everything everywhere all at once, right? So, oh, hey, mm-hmm. oh, oh, I, I vaguely remember at least some of those, okay? A- applause and, from Tell It Like a Woman. applause from Tell It Like a Woman, a movie that I did not know existed. I've never um, heard of that movie. And it is our, part, of, part of my job uh-huh. is talking about movies. And I have never heard of this movie, Tell It Like a Woman. <laughs> this, Ridiculous. This category is pure chaos. Can you imagine the song, if they the get song. like performances of each one of these? Like They're going to be so weirdly different. I, I oh, would man, love but... to see Natu Natu on oh, stage. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. Come why on. the hell was that not an international feature film? Like I, I'm not yeah, sure what know. happened there. I, I'm really bummed about that. But I think if Natu Natu doesn't win, we riot, right? Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I would say despite some really rough oversights, uh, this is a pretty decent, solid list of nominees, and uh, there's a lot to root for here. There's a lot to root for here. I uh, will say, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I was going to say the uh, visual effects category. Like, if if Avatar two doesn't win, doesn't that make no sense at all? Mm-hmm. Like, there, the movie isn't anything except visual. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no there's no comparison <laughs> to what Avatar two is doing from a visual effects yep, perspective. Yep. It's like that or the Batman. Gee, which which well, you know mm. that penguin, uh, you know, makeup was real good. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Cut, cut to the night of the Oscars, and you know, Top Gun Mavericks winning for best visual effects. Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Could but happen. I don't think it's you know. I personally don't think it's quite as much of a slam dunk as Jeff Kanata, but you know, whatever. Um, the other thing I will mention is this, you know, because I, I never want to have too much of a good thing, you know, in my life. I'm just gonna say this. I am worried about everything everywhere all at once winning best picture. Like I want the best things for everyone involved in that movie, but just, just take, take the good thing. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, like, like I, I'm going to, I'm going to say that you may, you may or may not agree with this, but I think winning best picture did not do Coda any favors in terms of its legacy. Like, I don't mm. think people are like, Oh, no. I view Coda more favorably now. Because it won. Yeah, I think more people what? saw it because of that. So I think that's that's. I mean, that's that's, that's really true. Old. But I just I You're, just yeah. think that like your position is that my, Coda my, my, was harmed by winning Best Picture. My position is that Coda that winning Best Picture mm-hmm. changes people's expectations for a movie. Yeah, mm. and that that conversation has started already around everything everywhere. Yes. Like there have been a lot of people saying that that movie is ridiculous. Like why is it even nominated? Then people really started nitpicking it, and I just had to turn off social media yeah, like for a people while. will be yeah. like this this one best picture you know like yeah. that's what i'm worried about in, in terms of like people's opinions but yes yep. I, I agree with you that like winning best picture probably hundreds of thousands if not millions more people saw coda than would have otherwise so no no yeah. argument there to me but that I, is still the best case sure fair enough everywhere. fair enough i don't so i i have a hard time thinking anything else can win i look at this list i think it's a two movie race between everything mm. everywhere all at once and the fablemans and i don't mm. think the fablemans has much of a shot i, I don't what, yeah. else, what else wins from this list? Uh, I think Banshees has a decent chance. Really? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, I love that but, movie. I but I, that I, would, movie. I would agree with you that it, the momentum is behind everything everywhere all at once right now. So mm. I would agree that that's the case. I think we can all um, agree Babylon was shut out completely. I think Babylon. it had a, a nomination for best score, though. We, yeah, the the yeah. score for Babylon was awesome. So I Real love good. That. I love it's that, like so. none of these people even consulted with A.O. Scott's list. <laughs> all right, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Those are the best, uh, the uh, sorry, Academy Award nominations, uh, and of course, we will talk more about the awards after they air, uh, which is going to be pretty soon. In uh, March twelfth is when the ninety fifth Oscars will take place. So we'll, uh, it looks like we'll, Babylon did get a nomination for production design. Oh, nice, yeah, 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 cool, cool. Uh, and best best score, Justin Hurwitz, 
crushed that that uh, score for Babylon as well. So anyway, uh, that's going to do it for us in terms of our Oscar talk and the film news this week. Let's take a quick break to thank a sponsor. We'll be right back with more uh, of the Filmcast and what we've been watching. It's time to tell you about our sponsor, NordVPN. Do you use a VPN? You should, for all sorts of reasons. Security. Being able to watch content in a region that you're not actually in. Security. Oh, did I mention security? Yeah, it's smart. You don't want people snooping and seeing the stuff that you are doing online. I use NordVPN. I've been using it for years. Why? It's easy to use. You connect with a single click or you can enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. That's pretty convenient. They have over 5,300 servers in 60 countries, so you can find a server near you for better speed or connect to a faraway location to freely explore the internet there. And speed. Speed is the number one thing you want in a VPN. You don't want it to slow you down, and NordVPN is confirmed by the speed tests. NordVPN is the fastest VPN out there. You can connect up to six devices on every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, macOS, and Linux. Even your Android TV supports NordVPN. Check it out for yourself. And hey, why not use our promo code? Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash filmcast. You'll get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus a bonus gift. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn, N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, folks, let's get to what we've been watching this week. You guys remember the movie Mad Max Fury Road? How could yeah, I not? I, I, yeah. I have a you know, vague recollection of one of the greatest movies in the last 20 years. Yeah. Good, 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 good movie. Good movie. And you know, one of one of the best things about that movie is the world building and how um like people have all these rituals in the movie, right? Like right when one of those war boys is about to sacrifice himself, he would say, like, witness me. And then he'd spray the chrome in his face and jump mm -hmm. on and blow something up or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Witness me. Witness me. Are right. you about to blow this podcast up, Dave? Is that what you're leading up to? No. Um, <laughs> but that is a long preamble to say that this week I watched a show called Milf Manor on the I, Learning I Channel. I see. <laughs> Witness me! And uh, the reason I, I, I watched it at all, the reason I'm even talking about it, is because I think that in uh, society it's important to uh, witness, to bear <laughs> witness to its decay and and mm. decline and destruction. Absolutely. Do you know? And I do think that Milf Manor is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> like, it is one of the signs of our culture's yeah. inevitable decline. And you um, watch the entire season. <laughs> well, first of all, only like a few episodes are out. So, no, I haven't. But <laughs> You um, plan to. But yeah, this is a, uh, like, decades ago or years ago, you know, 30 Rock had a parody of, a sh of an NBC show called Milf Island. <laughs> and yes. uh, Milf Manor basically made yeah. that show into a reality. This is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Amazing. I mean, is, we, we, is we guys, like, we in the culture, we have seen the formation of the word Milf. We have seen the proliferation of it. And then 
now now it's just full on this is it this is an actual milf show so great yeah um it's it's one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life it is a- actively bad for society i think um and because because not because like i i think it is this in is general. by the way it stands for moms i love faithfully right yeah, mm-hmm. i love to right. friend moms i love to friend <laughs> i think that uh ultimately it's kind of making these moms into like a bit of a laughing stock you know like it's, it's not an it's mm. not it, it's not a nuanced exploration of like older female sexuality or anything like that it's just mm. like ha 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 we have these moms and they're old and they are horny and uh, and also by the way their sons are there and isn't that cringy and uncomfortable like that's wow. the whole premise of of the show well i feel I'm like glad that, we're that, giving so- it time here indeed mm-hmm. Somebody was, uh, was you know, uh, watching some other content, some adult content. Was like, you know what? There is a concept here. There is a reality <laughs> show in in this basic premise of Milfs and their sons. Oh my god! Yeah. So anyway, um, the show is is badly done. It is shocking. Uh, in terms of how awful and embarrassing it is for many of the participants involved. And you can hear and... Dave do week-by-week week recaps <laughs> at... <laughs> Over at the Decoding TV. But, no. uh, but yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, watch some Milf Matter, and it, it did, in fact, make me lose faith in humanity. So mm. thank uh, you. that's on TLC, and uh, you can check it out there. Can we so, dig what did in you, here? What did you learn? Yeah, watching. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Because... I mean, go ahead and answer Devinder's question. What did yeah. you learn? TLC, what did you learn from the Learning Channel? Well, first of all, I think that the show is just really poorly done. Like, I've I've watched a bunch of reality TV shows at this point, and, like, um, they're, they're, you can tell, like, a good reality TV production. Right, right. Like, right. Um, here are some things that good reality TV productions have, okay? Uh, good Milfs. pacing. <laughs> good pacing. Good video and audio. Like uh-huh. when there's structured activities, the structured activities uh, get you invested in like sure. the outcome, right? Creative camera work. It happens. Yeah. yeah. N- none of that is in the show. <laughs> it's really just salacious gawking that it is encouraged in the show. And um, and it makes me feel bad for watching it or mentioning it. Jeff, what was your question? Why did you <laughs> why did you watch or mention it? No. My question <laughs> is. I, I've already tried to answer that. I, that's why I started with the whole preamble is like. You you know sometimes society is in its dying gasps and it's yeah. saying witness me and Milf Manor is our pop culture's way of saying witness me in my opinion. But mm-hmm. anyway, go ahead, Jeff. No, no. So 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 you see this pop up, you see the title, and you go and you say to yourself, "What? I I want to see how bad this is. I want to see if it is exactly what it advertises itself to be. I, it, I, is there part of you that holds out hope that it is actually some kind of subversive uh expose as to you know that is subverting expectations do you have any hope are you just punishing yourself for living in our society uh most like overwhelmingly the latter jeff Mm -hmm. overwhelmingly Mm -hmm. the latter you know there 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 is no hope to be found abandon all hope ye who enter here is what i'd have to say but you willingly dive into that abyss Mm mm-hmm I mean, also, I had spent. I, I watched seven Sundance movies this week. Oh, I thought you were going to yeah, say you seven. Need, you episodes. need a reprieve, you know. <laughs> and most of those were really, really depressing, sad movies. So yeah. Uh, so Not a I single was like, milf to be yeah. found. <laughs> one dive in the infinity pool. One dive in the milf pool. You know, so it's like yeah. a sauna, hot and cold. Yeah. Pool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I kind of. I, I guess Jeff, I would say it is a very shocking, out there premise, and it's like <laughs> I, 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 I have yeah. to. 
I have to see what the car accident looks like. You know, you know I what I, to, I would say? It's you? not shocking. When you, when you drive past a car are. accident, do you, do you ever, Jeff, do you ever turn your head and look at what's happening in the car accident? I do, but I strive to be the person who doesn't. Do you think I don't? Does it sound like I don't, Jeff? <laughs> it actually does sound like you don't, Dave. Yeah. That is exactly what it sounds like. Okay. Well, that's MILF Manor. It's on TLC. Uh, I also had a chance to watch Devotion, which is a movie on Paramount+. Plus. Can't wait to see this, yeah. Um, and this is another movie featuring fighter jets in which Glenn Powell plays a pilot that He's also came out in 2022. In all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it stars Jonathan Majors, who's, uh, characteristically excellent in the film. He's like the first, uh black fighter pilot in the squadron that he's in and the movie's about kind of it, it takes place in post-world war ii period during like the korean war era uh and it's about kind of uh glenn powell and jonathan majors uh friendship and jonathan majors trying to like overcome adversity um the movie is very very okay i would say it is hmm. completely fine um the script is very very rote military propaganda uh it's fine. Um, it, you know, both of these actors are really, really talented and it's nice to see them play off each other and devotion will give you that opportunity. There is also one scene in the movie that features a fighter jet. That's really amazing. That's unlike anything I've ever seen before uh, of this kind. It's not really worth watching the movie for that. In my opinion, the movie is really slowly paced. It's over two hours long. Um, I didn't love it. Didn't hate it. It cost $90 million. It came out last year and no one saw it or really even heard about it. It's, it's one of the, honestly, watching the movie and knowing that it cost $90 million is really haunting to me. Yeah. It's like, um, I told you guys about that movie, like Only the Brave, I think, um, the Joseph Kaczynski movie, where sometimes you watch a movie, you're like, holy crap, like so much work went into this and, uh, and no one saw it. Like very few people saw it. And it's like, wow, like people love this thing. They pour tons of time and energy into it and no one saw it. And I think it probably deserved a little bit of a better fate than that, but it's not a movie that I'm like, go run out and go see this movie. Um, but it does have some things to recommend it. So, uh, devotion, I thought it was pretty decent, pretty okay. It's on Paramount plus. Um, and if you're looking for like a, a decent, uh, sort of fighter jet, movie fighter pilot movie it's pretty good the 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 scenes that feature people flying these planes and they're not jets i should they're they're they have propellers on them so like um the <laughs> the, the scenes that feature these uh airplanes are really really amazing they're like really beautifully done um so uh so if if again if, if any of what i'm describing sounds appealing to you then you should check it out davinger it sounds like this is on your radar right? a lot of what you described sounded is, appealing yeah. but it was wrong <laughs> <laughs> the part about fighter not jets jet sounded movie. really yeah, they're, appealing. They're not yeah. really jets. They're not really, <laughs> jets. Really, not really Glenn Powell, you yeah. know. Yeah, fighter go. planes, sorry. I use fighter jets and planes inter inter interchangeably, funny. and that's my bad. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, uh, that's Devotion. is streaming right now on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, and Devendra, you were saying this is on your radar, right? It's on my radar. I mean, uh, I will watch pretty much anything with Jonathan Majors at this point. And yeah, the Glenn Powell stuff, Just I, every time he pops up as a pilot, as an astronaut, like this guy is secretly just really wants us to make us all believe that he can fly a plane. I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, indeed. Indeed. So that's that's Devotion streaming right now on Paramount+. Plus. Okay. Also, I had a chance to watch a bunch of movies at Sundance. So Devendra and I are going to talk about some movies that we saw at Sundance this week. Um, now, Devendra got in as press. I got in as uh, general public. And uh, before I talk about the movies, I just want to go on a miniature rant 
about how awful the ticket buying experience at Sundance was. This mm. year. Um, last year, we saw a bunch of movies at Sundance as well. I bought a bunch of tickets at Sundance. Last year was awesome. I don't think there was an in-person Sundance last year, or it was very limited, if I recall last year. It was year. super limited. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was like digital first, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was a digital first experience. This year, everyone went back in person, so it's like an in-person first. And so the digital part was an afterthought. Um, I know people who work at these festivals actually listen to this podcast. Um, I love Sundance. I think it's an awesome experience. I know everyone's working really hard. Um, but the online ticket buying experience was awful. This like year. on it a was, scale of one to MILF Manor, how awful mm, are we talking? Mm. It was about you know three quarters of the way towards the MILF Manor, Joe. Mm. Um, uh, the reason why, uh, I mean, it, for a very basic reason. I mean, first of all, like a lot of the tickets got sold out early, whatever. Like that's that's on me for not being more uh, attentive to that. But then it's like, okay, you go to the site, all right? And then it's like, here's a list of all the movies that are available. No way to sort them in any way. Oh yeah, that's um, a you gotta, nightmare. You got to type in the name, and then it's like, okay, brings brings up the name of the thing. It's very slow, kludgy interface. Then it's like, oh, okay, cool, fair game, a movie I want to see. Add to cart, right? It adds to cart. You're like, oh great, it got to add to cart. That's awesome. Go to the cart. Go to checkout. It's like, oh, I'm ready to check out. Click on the checkout button. Sold out. Oh. So it's like, dude, why even let people add to cart unless? It's it's available. Mm-hmm. Like so, that's yeah. like. What, what was the time? Like, how long did it take you to go from add to cart to, you know, to like finish up seconds? But it's like, uh, but, but but it's like, um, yeah, yeah. But I had to manually do it for every single, and it's not like an you can't like check a bunch of things and add them all to cart at once. Yeah. So I have to f- freaking manually add these one by one. Um. Anyway, I, I just think it's disappointing for it. It's like I, I don't want to sound like an entitled person. Like, oh, and the this interface didn't work quite as well. But you know, a lot of people access mm-hmm. the site this way, and um, and and I only am comparing it to what it was last year, which is like really smooth and awesome. And this year, it was just awful. It was like a huge pain. And yeah. eventually, I was just like, this isn't worth. This is not worth it to me. Like, um, I, I wanted to see like way more movies, but it's just like this isn't. I can. I, I'm going to just wait for the movies to happen, you know, throughout the rest of the year. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to work this hard to see these movies. They need. Know? They probably need some help with like the actual platform of it. And yeah. they, man, they really step back from a lot of the remote stuff too. Like, they're they, for the past couple of years, they've been running like a VR thing, yeah. you yeah. know, where you could go in a headset and talk to people virtually. Um, they had some like VR um, projects too that you could like watch, and that was there was no VR sessions this year, and it, I didn't really see any VR projects as well. So yeah, they just want to be like hey, we're back in person. That's right, all we care right. about. Which now. is which is fine. Um, but yeah, it was just it it, mm-hmm. it it was a huge pain, and I was just like I, I don't want to do this anymore. So yeah, I, I was able to still buy after much trial and error of like adding and removing it because it's not it's not fast. It's just like it just takes like. You know, it's just like slow enough that it's annoying. You know, it's just like you add and then it's... So anyway, after much trial and error, I was able to watch seven movies. I'm going to talk about three of them right now. Uh, I watched a movie called Run, Rabbit, Run that was acquired by Netflix. This one starred Sarah Snook. Um, creepy movie. The, 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 the thesis of this movie, Run, Rabbit, Run, is aren't kids creepy, guys? You guys oh, tell yeah, me. They are. You guys tell me. Are kids yeah. creepy sometimes? Yeah. yeah. Kids, kids do creepy, weird, random shit sometimes. Is mm-hmm. that the thing yep. that happens? That's Yep, that tracks. That's basically Run Rabbit Run. That's the whole movie. Um, it's kind of in the vein of movies like The Babadook and uh, Relic, you know, where it's like these family movies where like family members are behaving weirdly and maybe there's something under the surface that you're not quite aware of. Um, I'm ride or die for Sarah Snook, you know. 
Absolutely. Succession, Predestination, you know, like all the stuff that she's been in. I'm a huge fan. So um, didn't love this one, but Sarah Snook does an amazing job in it. And it's worth watching for her alone if you want a creepy horror movie. So that's Run, Rabbit, Run. I watched a movie called The Eternal Memory that was also acquired. I think by, M- I want to say MTV documentary, I think. Um, and maybe maybe it's that, maybe it's something else. Anyway, Eternal Memory. This is a movie about a couple that uh, they're like really successful creative people in their lives. But then the um, husband gets dementia. Sorry, not dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, and it kind of chronicles the wife's journey to try to maintain his mind and their household in the wake of like his dementia. And it's a remarkable film because uh, halfway through the events of the film, COVID happens and the filmmakers can't be at their house anymore. And so then they, she, the woman needs to film everything herself using like camcorders or whatever that have been given to her. Uh, and so as a result, like a lot of the filmmaking is pretty rough. Like some of it's not in focus, the settings aren't right, but it captures the moments um, really intimately in a way that maybe a filmmaker wouldn't be able to, if they were in the house. Um, it is one of the most realistic and bracing depictions I've seen of Alzheimer's ever. I, I I've heard I've, for all my, all my life, I've read stories about how difficult Alzheimer's is and you know, people like forget, right? Like you get that. But what, is less frequently depicted is how difficult it is to manage someone who is constantly disoriented. You know, like they'll just start talking to themselves, spouting complete nonsense. And it's like, and there's very few easy ways to calm them down. Um, So I just think it's just a really touching, intimate, uh, and and really revealing portrait of what it's like to to live with someone with, with Alzheimer's and and how difficult it is. So uh, worth checking out for anyone who really wants something that pulls on the heartstrings. That's the eternal memory. It was picked up by MTV Documentary. I think you'll be able to watch it later this year. Finally, I watched a movie called Beyond Utopia. This is a documentary about people escaping from North Korea, and it is. Really amazing because they were able to get footage of people actually trying to escape from like footage of like what the journey is actually like, man, which is really hellish. Like, it's not just like you cross a border and you're, you're there. Um, you, you need to cross into, usually people cross into China because crossing from North Korea to South Korea, you're going into the demilitarized zone where there's like tons of landmines. It's really dangerous. It's basically untraversable. So people cross into China. Then you go from China into, I think it's Vietnam, Laos, and then Thailand. So then you cross multiple massive countries to get into um, Thailand, where they're finally safe from being uh, repatriated to North Korea. Uh, And this documentary has actual on-the-ground footage of people making this treacherous journey. Um, And it's incredible. It's incredible. It also has footage from inside North Korea and how repressive the regime is in there. Um, so it's a really fascinating documentary, really revealing, and they have this amazing footage. It's definitely worth checking out. So, um, those are some of the movies I watched at Sundance this year. That's Beyond Utopia, The Eternal Memory, and Run Rabbit Run. Um, I, I had a good time, despite the terrible ticket buying experience. 
I overall saw some pretty good yeah. movies. I um, hope they don't uh, give up on the remote viewing plans because I feel like that that would be one way to make people go to Sundance more. But the openness of it, you know, the ability for people who can never actually make it there to see some of these movies, even if it's a hard experience, I think that's worth it. It's exciting. It's exciting to be like one of the first people in the world to watch a movie. You know, like I I really love it. I will say also the (laughs) speaking of my ranting, I forgot even to mention this. Like the at home viewing experience is pretty rough. Was pretty rough this year. There's Mm. I'm not I'm not exaggerating. There's literally as many pre rolls as an AMC movie. Like yeah, there's like literally like twenty minutes of beautiful land around Sundance and everything. Twenty minutes of pre rolls uh, (laughs) that were basically like really hard to skip so at by yeah. the end i just was like i'm not even skipping these. i just put put on mute and like made <laughs> myself a sandwich while it happened you know like um so anyway pretty pretty rough at home but that i'm more understanding of because it's like okay they gotta get their sponsors in there they gotta get their other pre-rolls in there they gotta mention all the stuff they want to mention so like that's fine but rough rough sundance experience overall that said did see some good movies divinger hardware you also watched some movies of sundance this year right what do you want to i did i watched yeah. a ton and i will i'll talk about a few here and honestly yeah. i'll save a couple for closer to their release because yeah. some movies like infinity pool premiered at sundance mm-hmm. and then a couple days later was in theaters and there were conversations around like is is that the spirit of Sundance? Like this movie has distribution, you know. Like this movie is fine; it doesn't really need the the festival's help. But yeah, but so did that other movie weird. from last week that you mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, what was it called? It Polite, Polite Society, Society had Polite help, Society. but also, but, but you know, that's a couple months away. This is a very common thing. Yeah, you're right. Like the fact yeah. that it's right there is um, weird. Is 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 a little weird, but yeah, it's a very common thing for movies to use Sundance as part of their marketing. So yes. Uh, that's basically what Infinity Pool premiering was. But Devinder, yeah, what were some of the movies definitely. you saw at Sundance that you want to mention? A couple of them. So I want to shout out A Thousand and One. And this one won the U.S. Grand Jury Prize uh, for drama. So this is a movie that I think a lot of people are going to be talking about. It's directed and written by A.V. Rockwell. It's about a mother in New York who um, she's an ex-con and she decides to kidnap her child from the foster care system to give him a better life. And it starts in New York in the mid-90s, I think like early 90s. And follows like basically a decade or more than a decade of their lives of her trying to sacrifice so much um because she is uh, she, she's played by uh, tiana taylor the uh the singer um and she plays a mother who's not like a perfect person right like she she has anger issues she's trying hard to take care of her kid but has issues doing that and not doesn't always know the best way to do that but the movie basically chronicles like her journey to work very hard to give this kid a life that she never really had and to form a family around him. And also it is a great um, New York movie too, of finding a community in New York, finding support, um, you know, in a country that doesn't really support you very well, but also at the same time, like this is a kind of a gentrification story too. It's about getting pushed out of the city that you call home because it's changing and it doesn't really care if you're ready for that or not. I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. I think it's going to get a lot of comparisons to Moonlight um, just because it's sort of like it is a it's spanning such a large amount of time and you see some characters change like the the character of the son. You see them at several different ages. So I think that comparison is totally there. And also like it, you know, it's it is a chronicle of black life in Harlem and it is done in a way that feels kind of epic and kind of uh, just kind of beautiful and poetic in that it's telling a very normal story. You know, I, I know people who have gone through similar situations where they have come through the shelter system, they've come through, they've had to get their kids out of foster care, and it's just hard. 
life is hard, especially if you're an ex-con, and especially if you're in a place like New York. And this movie totally confronts that and makes you feel for these characters. So I think it's incredible. It's a thousand and one. Um, it is uh, it is hitting theaters in March. So nice. the end of March, yeah. you'll be I've able heard, to see I've that. heard great things about this and about Taylor's performance as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, what else you watching? What else did you watch at Sundance this year? I want to shout out one that I think uh, Filmcast uh, listeners in particular will appreciate. It's Kim's video. The documentary uh, directed by David Redman and Ashley Sabin, Sabin, and uh, it's also narrated by David Redman. And I don't. Do you guys know what Kim's video is? Have you heard of it? Yeah, I heard. I I, I heard some chatter about this documentary and therefore what it's about. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, have you heard of Kim's video before? No, no. The idea. Not, Kim's yeah. video in New York was this legendary, legendary video rental place where. Um, this uh, this guy who was basically a former. Um, he owned uh, a laundromat, I believe, or a dry cleaning service. And he started renting out movies from there and realized like he was making more money renting the movies than, than the actual laundry business. So he pivoted to that and built a huge collection of over 55,000 movies in New York, uh, spread across three stores, I believe. And throughout the late 80s and basically until 2008 or so, it was an incredibly popular place. Like you could get these movies they weren't all officially purchased. Like there were some pirated copies, I believe, but also this was a video rental place where he would have his people go out to film festivals around the world and just get movies before they actually had us distribution. You know, like I believe the FBI was interested in what they were doing because like, you're just, are you like, do you have copyright for these movies in the U S like it was, it was a whole thing. This movie covers what happens. um, Basically after Kim's video folded, uh, he, he did this thing where he was like, I I need to send this video. You know, I I need to send my library of videos somewhere. It needs a home and a town in Sicily said, Hey, we'll do it. Um, And it turns out like that did not go how anybody planned. So the documentary follows um, the filmmaker to this town uh, to find the videos and basically uh, try to get them home. I'm not going to spoil too much because this movie definitely goes places that I did not expect. Uh, But if you have seen the news, you probably know what happened. Like it was in the news like last year or a couple of years ago. So you probably know what's happening with Kim's video stuff now. But I think this documentary is just wild. and It follows somebody's obsession with movies. It can't go like a couple minutes without referencing movies. And it's probably a bad tick for a documentary. But the journey of finding uh, Youngman Kim, uh, of finding like where he is now, trying to see the people who were shaped by him, by people who used to work at the video store, people who were patrons. It was such a big thing in New York. I was so sad that I never got to go because I, it kind of closed down a year before I moved there. Um, I think this is a great like way to remember what Kim's video was to a lot of people. And also like, man, it is quite the journey, especially towards the end. So I'd recommend it. I don't believe this one has distribution now, but I, I think somebody's going to pick it up easily. All right, that's Kim's video. What else have you been watching at Sundance this, week, this year? Oh, man, so much. Um, one other thing I want to shout out uh, is Fair Play. I know you were trying to Yeah, to I tried see to this get thing. tickets to this. Did not succeed, but yep. Um, it, should should I have gotten tickets to it? I think I think I think you would appreciate it. Um, it's sort of they're calling it erotic thriller, but I don't. It's not quite erotic enough, or maybe we're just so sexless sexless in our movies these days that any sex scene feels titillating. Um, it's written directed by Chloe Demont. It is about a couple who work together in a uh, in a finance firm, an investment banking firm. It looks like, and one of them gets promoted, 
And that tends to, that rocks the dynamic of the relationship. They are like a young 20 something couple. They're all working really hard to, to kind of get somewhere. And this movie gave me a lot of vibes of industry, the movie, the show, you know, Jeff and I have been talking about on HBO. And honestly, if you've seen industry, I think you kind of see a lot of what this, this thing is doing because it is all about power plays and how, um, especially in these sorts of offices and environments, like it's hard to be a woman and to be on top. And I, I think in the actual work of it just feels like industry does it better, but the core relationship um, between uh, Phoebe Dinoverse character and Alden Ehrenreich, I think is really fascinating because it starts out one way and it transforms into something else. And Alden Ehrenreich, who I think is, um, is genuinely great. Like we have seen him so many things by this point. And I think he is so good here playing a guy who thinks he's a good guy and kind of transforms into something else when he's confronted with, you know, his partner doing better than him. And it is, it is like a genuinely fascinating, pathetic performance. And I think that is going to get a lot of people to, to be interested in this movie. So I, I think their core relationship is really interesting and it's really well made too. like, it really does capture the vibe of being in like one of these pressure cooker places where, you know, your bosses are swearing at you and basically abusing you to perform better where one of your decisions could lose tens of millions of dollars. You know, um, I think it's fascinating. It's very similar to margin call and a lot of uh, films like that around the finance system. Um, I think it's good. Maybe. Um, yeah. I, I believe Netflix picked that yeah, one up. This is really one of the quickly. big acquisitions of Sundance was like 20 million. Fair yeah. play was acquired for $20 million. So there we're still doing this folks. We're still doing this, but fair play will be available <laughs> on Netflix, presumably sometime in the next one or two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, Devinder, one other choice. Yeah. I want to shout out uh, the movie Eileen, which you've may have heard a couple of things about. It stars Thomas A. McKenzie as this uh, sort of like 20 something girl in a near Boston town where she is kind of an outcast. She doesn't quite fit in with everybody else. She's kind of like a creative, independent thinking person. And uh, in her little like towny life, she encounters Anne Hathaway playing this uh, doctor who's a psychologist working at a prison who is very independent, who lives her own life. Um, Anne Hathaway is just like fantastic here because she is sort of like, it's sort of like Marilyn Monroe, you know, just got dropped into a suburb outside of Boston, you know, in the... I don't know, early 90s, I think, like an early time, maybe even 80s. Um, you have those thick accents. I think, Dave, yeah, a lot of this will sound familiar to you. Um, but having a character like her appear there kind of rock the boat and kind of change, you know, the dynamic of that whole uh, that whole town is kind of fun to see. Uh, Anne Hathaway's character and Thomas McKenzie's character, they kind of form a friendship and a relationship. And this movie is ultimately a pulpy thriller. And I will not say anything about where this movie goes, but... Let me tell you guys, from the beginning of this movie, you will not predict where this movie actually ends up. And I think it's really fascinating. It feels like it is in the vein of Coen Brothers, but also as if the Coen Brothers were making a movie in the 70s or something. Wow. Um, there's a, it's really cool. It's really interesting. I wish um, there are things I wish it did better. It's maybe a little short, like it's a little over 90 minutes. And I would have liked to see more from these characters and this world um, because it ends up going in a place in like the last 15 or 20 minutes that I totally didn't expect. And that just kind of, uh, it surprised me, but I was kind of amazed that the movie even went there. So definitely something uh, to check out and uh, it's seeking distribution right now. So I'm sure somebody's going to pick this up because yeah. it's definitely like fascinating. 
Uh, yeah, I think it's probably going to get distribution at some point. That's Eileen. Um, and those are the movies we watched at Sundance this year. Uh, probably some of the movies you'll be hearing about throughout the rest of the year. Definitely. Um, so we'll see. Uh, and that is most of what Devinder has been watching. Devinder, hit us up with this one last thing you've been watching on Apple TV+. Plus. One last thing I want to shout out. Um, I've, I've been actually watching screeners of Shrinking for the past couple of months. And I couldn't talk about it with anybody because like, it is weird to get access to a thing where it wasn't coming out for a long, long while. Yeah. So I've seen a couple episodes. This is a new show uh, created by Bill Lawrence, creative Scrubs, co-creator of Ted Lasso, and Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso, also co-created by Jason Segel. Um, and Jason Segel plays... A guy, he he plays a therapist who is, you know, dealing with the loss of his wife and that sort of has wrecked his life and his relationship with his daughter. And this is sort of uh, similar to Ted Lasso. It is a comedy that's also very much a dramedy. That's also like very high on the, the actual personal drama. But I think it's very sweet, uh, mainly because Harrison Ford is a wonderful presence. Like he is a sort of boss. He's a sort of like head therapist of where Jason Siegel works. And Harrison Ford is funny. He's very good at being the grumpy old man. He does unexpected things throughout this series. Um, I don't think it's nearly as sharp or as deep as Ted Lasso gets. Certainly I've seen like maybe four episodes at this point, um, but it's, it's really watchable. It's really fun. And Jason Siegel like just does he does very good sad puppy dog face and we have seen him do that in many things like forgetting sarah marshall uh freaks and geeks like pretty much everything he's been in but his uh performance here is pretty great i think you want to watch this thing for harrison ford though because it is really wild to see harrison ford basically in a modern day sitcom i know he's also in the yellowstone prequel series i haven't seen any of that uh it is fascinating to see him here and this is on apple tv plus it's well worth a watch yeah i I had the opposite reaction (laughs) This, that's sh- that's shrinking. So Jeff, it sounds like you've seen it as well. Is that right? Yeah, the, I, I didn't watch all of it. Uh, I had I had screeners as well, and and uh, it makes the, the I came out of shrinking going, I'm very scared for the next Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> wow. Okay, there's a lot of CG going on there, though. But, so, like, are you know, saying yeah. because like you're, you're saying Harrison Ford isn't great in this, or are you saying the show isn't great and Harrison Ford is in the show that's not great? The former. I I think that uh, he is very old and uh, (laughs) it, I I love, I love him. I mean, he shaped my Mm -hmm. entire childhood almost single-handedly, right? My, (laughs) my uh, fantasy life. Um, And I'm rooting for him and I want that next Indiana Jones movie to be great. I went into this super excited to see him doing, you know, um, what was it? Working Girl? Was he Mm -hmm. one of his early comedies that he did? Um, Uh, I wish I'd felt the way Devendra described. Um, I I felt like he is a lead balloon in this show and just can't, he's like humorless and gruff and has like one speed and one mode. He's definitely gruff. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. It is. He's just like uh, uh, all the way through it. And it's just like, Ooh boy. Ooh boy. Oh, Harrison. (laughs) It's uh, it's definitely he is that, but then it does transition to him doing very fun and sweet things. Like maybe I didn't get far enough. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much she's just like I got eight minutes into the show. (laughs) (laughs) Had to back up. Had to find another (laughs) show to review. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, you are like piecing out on these things at record. You know how much stuff there is to watch, Dave? Yeah. You guys have been talking for <laughs> an hour about 15 movies that we can't even see right yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right. Well, anyway, that's shrinking. It's available right now on Apple TV+. Devendra liked it. Jeff didn't as much. But maybe you might like it if you watch more than uh, eight minutes. You might. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's fair. Let's take a break. Talk about a sponsor. We'll be back with more of what we've been watching right after this. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Jeff Canada, hit us up with some what we've been watching. Very big week for my what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a lot of really fun things that I, I've had a very positive week of viewing, guys. It's a good uh, week. Got ex- very excited that the new Ryan Johnson TV show, uh, obviously we're big fans of Ryan Johnson here. You can hear him with us on an after dark uh, right here on our very, uh, our very stream, you know, our very feed. What do I call it? Show? Sure. I don't Podcast? Know. Yeah. Podcast. The thing that we do and have done for many years. <laughs> this. You're listening to it now. It's like you probably already know. Anyway, uh, Ryan Johnson has a new television series called Poker Face. Not not the Russell Crowe movie. Not the Russell, which also <laughs> is brand song. new and is also yeah. called Poker Face. Why why would both of these things come with the same? Very Man, weird. So annoying. Easily yeah. confusable. However, uh, I don't know how it's humanly possible for him to have made Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery <laughs> and Poker Face at the same time. Seriously. Because yeah. they are both phenomenal. Poker Face is a joy. I love this show. I so love good. it. Uh, it is, um, so part of me like doesn't even want to spoil the experience of watching it because so, you know, if you're like me and you love discovery, maybe jump forward 15 to 20 seconds, because I thought the pilot was one of the most fun experiences. It's Mm -hmm. an amazing pilot. Very good. Because it feels like you're inside one of these. Uh, prestige TV, we're going to set up a mystery, and over the next eight episodes, yes. we're going to solve that mystery. It's an entire Netflix season yeah. of TV. In one nope! Episode. Love it. Nope! We solved that mystery in 60 <laughs> quick minutes, motherfucker! <laughs> it's great. And we're on to the next thing, and you realize, oh, Poker Face is a throwback to the way TV used to be. Poker mm-hmm. Face is, what if Columbo and the Incredible Hulk TV series had a baby. And Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, remember, yeah. It, yeah. It is Columbo or Murder, She Wrote or any of those like episodic. I feel like she's way more Columbo than anybody else. She's definitely more Columbo, but uh, the way death follows her, I think is very Murder, She Wrote too. But yeah. 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 Uh, so, you know, in, in the old 1970s, early 80s uh, Incredible Hulk TV show, it's basically Bruce Banner although he was David Banner in that show Mm -hmm. uh, because he couldn't be gay. Um, The the, every episode he walks into a new town and something happens to him, right? He's walking, he's trying to just escape his past, walk into a new town. Something crazy happens. Purely episodic television made for uh, what? Reruns and everything. Yeah. Made for syndication, you know? And that is the case here. Uh, Natasha Leone, who is fantastic in this part, uh, it basically has a superpower. Her superpower is she knows when you're lying. That's it. 
She knows when you're lying. She doesn't know how she knows, but she knows if you're lying. And she goes from, from town to town solving mysteries. And she doesn't want to. She most of the time doesn't want to. It's reluctant. <laughs> She's like Columbo, like, ah, I gotta do yeah. it. it. And it is so well written. The, the mysteries are so great. The structure of the show, which is we start with this sort of, uh, you know, um, cold open where we see new characters in a new place. We don't understand what's really going on. We see it. And then we, we meet our main character and she has... We go back in time and we mm -hmm. see her bumping into those characters that we just saw calamity befall. Well, we, yeah, we see the crime committed in the first act. Yes, basically. yes. And then, but 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 we, then we go back in time and we see oh, there's a connection to our main character in some tangential way that we go back and see the people that died probably alive or even not people sometimes. It is so smart, so clever. You wouldn't expect anything left less from Ryan Johnson, but it is whip smart, great. Actors in throughout because it can be, you know, you have guest stars, right? You have people who are just in this episode, yeah. like the olden days. And you can have Big these name really stars, people you would recognize. Yes, yeah. Adrian Brody's in the first episode. And uh it's it's a delight of a show. I I I want a thousand more seasons of poker face. It is mm -hmm. so much fun. It is such a great throwback to old TV is like, you know how, uh, I don't know what started it really, but peak TV is the idea of just pure serialization, you know, pure, uh, the mystery continues for your, the season long and it gets expanded. And that is what the show is most, mostly about. It's about mythology and everything. Poker face is like, yeah, remember those old shows where you kind of just tuned in and you just hung out with these characters and it's a different adventure every week, different, different people, different setting, um, different vibes for every episode too. But the core character is fun to hang out with. And I remember watching Columbo. I used to watch Columbo a lot with my grandfather. I used to watch a lot of those shows back in the day, like the eighties. That's what eighties TV was. Yeah. Knight Rider. M MacGyver. Airwolf, yeah. All MacGyver, those, all those shows all where they did a thing that week and then no one remembers if they did it <laughs> next week, you know, and it's, it's like barely connected. This show does that really well. I think, um, the, the downside is, you know, Ryan Johnson didn't write all this. He didn't direct all this. He did uh, three episodes. He directed, um, he wrote two episodes, but the, the overall like writing team is very strong. But I think like any episodic show, like there are some hits and some misses. Like I think some aren't as great as others, but overall it's still a good time. Like it's, fun to hang out with, with Natasha Leone. I feel like people did not really talk about um, the second season of Russian Doll very much. I think that was still very good. So I'm glad she has another project and just love all these people. I love all my favorite people getting it's together so and doing a thing. And the thing is pure entertainment. Like my wife, my wife and I, we watched the pilot and we got done. And the next night I was like, okay, you want to watch another episode? And she was like, that's a show. <laughs> yeah, that was like a movie. <laughs> it had a beginning, middle, and end, which is like yeah. one, one episode yeah. of TV have can have a beginning, middle, and end. So what? different. It yeah. feels so refreshing. It's yeah. also so fun in the pilot because we learn that she's got this superpower mm -hmm. to be able to know when someone's lying, and everybody else knows it too in the in the in the pilot. Yeah, and it is so fun <laughs> to watch people interact with her when they know they can't lie. Mm -hmm. And the writers have such a great time with that. And how how do you talk to someone when you have something to hide, <laughs> but you know they can tell if you're lying? Yeah. The, the pilot is a pure Ryan Johnson joint. So like you feel his brilliant. command there. And uh, sort of like she has the opposite uh, thing from Marta in Knives Out, right? Like Marta, yes. who can never lie. Right. Charlie Kale 
can always tell a lie. These fun little you know ticks of characters, they're just so unique. They're so fun. It's fun to watch. Yeah, could not could not recommend Poker Face higher. I cannot speak to the Russell Crowe version, however. Yes. Uh, well, that's Poker Face is streaming right now on Peacock. I should Jeff. have watched that this week just to have the, the Poker Face versus <laughs> Poker Face showdown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That would have been good. Yeah, uh, We would have called well, it Heads Up Poker, right? Uh, yes, very good. <laughs> uh, I also checked out a new poker movie. Poker Face that... draws an inside straight, you might say. <laughs> okay, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, on the river. Um, Gut shot. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> we, yeah, we were alive in the early 2000s when poker was big on TV. <laughs> Dave and I both were there. Mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. we lived through it. Um, <laughs> I also checked out a new movie on Netflix uh, called You People. This is the new... Uh, oh, fil- I didn't know this is already out. Kenya Barris' new movie, right? Kenya Barris. I was yeah, just going to yeah. say. Yeah, Kenya Barris' yeah, yep. new movie, uh, who you may know as the writer of uh, Girls Trip which is a movie that's mm-hmm. much better than it had any right to be. True. And the creator of Blackish. Like and I, Black-ish, he has yes. an empire. Uh-huh. He is an empire of ish shows now. Yes, yeah. the all the ishes, all the ishes. But uh Girls Trip was one of those movies where it's like this is going to be, you know, kind of trashy and not very good. and it was really good. It was actually pretty good. Anyway, You People uh is uh Kenya Barris teaming up with Jonah Hill of all people. Uh, to do a rom-com. This is a straight-up rom-com. In fact, I realized about halfway through this movie that this movie is basically When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. You know, when Harry... coming to dinner, but yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you yeah. know When Harry Met Sally, there is a, a character, I believe is Billy Crystal, who says it in the movie, who says uh, famously, uh, men and women can't be friends. Right. And, the, and the whole movie is about proving that wrong, Right. There is a character in You People who says white people and black people can't be friends, can't really understand each other. And that is the premise of this movie, is that you see uh, uh, Jonah Hill and uh, Lauren London meet, fall in love, and the movie does what When Harry Met Sally does, is it jumps forward in time a bunch, and you kind of see the beginning of their relationship and the middle of their relationship and them getting married, and you see the whole sort of compendium of their relationship as they deal with this issue of being a biracial couple. And the benefit of this movie is that it has basically everyone alive in it. I will read you some of the people Mm -hmm. that are in it. Uh... Lauren London's parents are played by Eddie Murphy and Nia Long. Jonah Hill's parents are played by Julie Louis-Dreyfus and David Duchovny. So right there, that's pretty great. Then you've got, you've got Elliot Gould, Andrea Savage, who I love. Rhea Perlman is in this. Uh, Hal Linden is in this. Half of the Upright Citizens Brigade uh, founders <laughs> are in this. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Like the tiniest part, is a huge actor. Uh, the dude who played the best friend in the show, Dave, is, is great in this. It's just nonstop like, oh, even the bit characters are incredibly famous people from, you know, that you recognize. So that's a, a lot of fun. I am a huge Eddie Murphy fan. I love Eddie Murphy. Uh, he is great in this. I laughed my patoot off watching you people. It is very funny. I thought it was very sweet. I thought it was... Very well made. I had a great time. My wife and I watched this together. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil one line in this movie. Because 
my wife and I heard this line and we had to stop, we had to pause the Netflix because we were laughing so hard and we could not stop. And we have since texted this line back and forth to each other a bunch of times. There is, Jonah Hill has a boss at his job who's played by Matt Walsh, who you know is one of the founding members of Upright Citizen Brigade, very funny guy, character actor, you've seen him in a bunch of things. The interactions he has with Jonah Hill in this movie are very funny constantly, but there's one moment where Jonah Hill walks into his office and his boss, who's this sleazy boss dude, is screaming into his phone the following line. He is saying, my Maserati sounds like it got gangbanged by the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> Uh-huh. Screaming uh-huh. into his phone. My Maserati sounds like it got gangbanged by the Toronto Raptors. This is a really great episode for the kids. Dude. You know. I yeah. what's the Infinity Pool episode? Come on. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I just the syllables of that have a funny it's just like the perfect comedy line. Anyway, it, it's clear that a lot of this movie is is sort of has some improv elements to it. Uh, I love Eddie Murphy, and it it's kind of speaks to today, to you know, to uh, race relations and dynamics that happen in America today. And it's but it's sweet and it's lovely, and it you know, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus plays the you know, it's almost, also got a lot of Meet the Fockers uh, energy to it. This movie because it's it's about Jonah Hill trying to gain the the approval of mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy, but then on the other side, it's. <laughs> It's Julia Louis Dreyfus trying to gain the approval of her daughter-in-law, right? And the, David Duchovny for some reason. Yeah, David Duchovny is great. He basically says like three things in the whole movie. Oh, it's but he's he's like the stoic like Jewish dad. Ugh. It's really funny. I enjoyed you people. I thought it was fun. Nice. Uh, well, I I saw the trailers. It looked pretty amusing to me. So uh, mm-hmm. this seems like a fun one to put on. My wife pe- started watching this movie, and I had to walk away. I'm sorry, Jeff. Oh, really? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, what, I thought it was so. I thought it was really funny. Wh- why? Why did you have to walk away, Devendra? Like, what was your... it? Was, it was painful. Mm. It physically pained me to see some people I love uh, saying some of these things. I think there are some good parts, especially the beginning. There are some good lines, like one-off good lines. As a whole, like whatever this movie is trying to say was just kind of annoying. But uh, hey, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we have got to get to our movie review oh, wait, pretty I say, soon, I, Jeff. I, yeah, I just want to so bring ahead. up one yeah. more show, real go quick. Ahead, Jeff. Yep. Extraordinary on Hulu is yes, good, phenomenal. It's so funny. It's so smart. Uh, the idea is it, it takes place in a world where everyone has superpowers except this one girl. And <laughs> you turn eighteen and you get superpowers, and you so don't know like what superpower. Uh, Encanto, basically, it's a Encanto, <laughs> so, real, real life Encanto, sort real of. life except superheroes, basically, except but, super uh, adult, yeah. super adult, and very funny. Uh, there's a person whose superpower is if you touch their skin, you have an orgasm, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Love the 3D print from his butt guy. 3D print That's from fun. his butt. Yeah, yeah. That very, very, very funny show. Uh, this came out of nowhere for me. I just randomly clicked on it on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's called Extraordinary. I didn't want to get out without mentioning it. It's a ton no of worries. fun. Check it out. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, well, let's move on. Let's get to some weekly plugs, and then we'll get to our review of Infinity Pool. Here we go. Mm-hmm. 
Weekly plugs, a part of the show each week where we plug something else we'll be making. I want to plug my newsletter, Decoding Everything, at decodingeverything.com. I am no longer making original tweets over on Twitter.com. I have poured all that effort into a newsletter at decodingeverything.com. And check out my uh, commentary on the Oscars this week, where I wrote about four winners and four disappointments from this week's Oscar nominations at decodingeverything.com. Devinder Hardware, your weekly plug. Oh, yeah. I did a guest spot over at Dune Pod, which is a podcast that talks about Dune, but also things related to Dune. And mm. I chose Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because Chang Chen is in both uh, the new Dune and, uh, and this movie. And also, it's an excuse for me to talk about this movie. Hopefully, we'll get to do that in a couple of weeks. But I had a great time with uh, Jason and H over at Dune Pod. Um, go, go check it out. Like We had a great discussion I re-watching it. First of all, uh, I have confirmed that the 4K Blu-ray for Crouching Tiger, not so hot. Unfortunately, mm. it, it does not look good. It was the first thing I watched on my new projector. Um, I hope we get a yeah, new release. There's a, there's a 4K theatrical yes. release the 4K be theatrical out this year, so I wonder be if that will accompany a, a, yeah. a, a hard disc release. It will be like the 10th well. time I have purchased Crouching Tiger. <laughs> I have bought the Superbit Blu-ray. I bought the original DVD. Wow, the um, Superbit. The Superbit super DVD. DVD, yes. amazing. Or no, I remember Superbit Blu-ray. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I remember those. More, no, more, more space for the bits. No special features for those. bits. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants All regular bits. So we, we we had a good chat. Check out Doom Pod. Jeff Ganada, your weekly plug. Hey, we're getting close to Valentine's Day, so I'm going to mention again, get your cameo for your loved one. It's a a a, a made-to-order, perfectly for you and your loved one, Limerick, uh, the likes of which you've probably heard on this show before. Uh, and I make them over on my cameo page, Jeff Kanata, uh, excuse me, cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, you can get a cameo for any occasion, but I, wouldn't it be lovely to send one for Valentine's Day? It's me delivering a custom-made to your specifications limerick. I think you'll enjoy it. Check out those five-star reviews on the site. You'll see that lots of people have. All right, and a quick plug for uh, the Patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast, uh, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them any financial hardship. Uh, you can always support us for free by sharing about the podcast on your social media uh, or leaving a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, reminder that next week on the After Dark, we're going to be discussing Magic Mike uh, and possibly Magic Mike XXL in advance of our Magic Mike's Last Dance review. Let's get to our conversation about Infinity Pool. I don't understand why we're doing this. We barely know these people. It's one day. Let's mix things up a bit. You're just happy you found your fan club. I've been waiting six years for your second book. Is it coming out soon? I'm working on it. What do you do for money then? He married rich. (laughs) (laughs) I actually came here looking for inspiration. James Foster, you have to come with us. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. Wait, what did you say? That was from the trailer for Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. This is the film cast review of Infinity Pool. I'm going to read the plot summary of this movie from IMDb. James and M. Foster are enjoying an all-inclusive beach vacation in the fictional island of Latoka. When a fatal accident exposes the resort's perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism, reckless violence, and surreal, surreal horrors, end quote. Pretty good summary. Another movie about that. 
that old chestnut. Uh, you know, uh, a friend of the show, listener, patron named Scott shared this message with uh, me and with the Slack Filmcast. Quote, man, my wife really did not like Infinity Pool. She said it was the worst movie she'd ever seen. She said she even said every second of it taken individually was the worst second of a movie she'd ever seen. <laughs> and she was embarrassed for the director and every member of the audience. End quote. Wow. Here's my question for you, Devin Hardware. Here's my question for you, Devin Hardware. Was it that bad? Agree or disagree? <laughs> Agree um, or disagree? <laughs> yeah. How how bad was it? Is what you're asking. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I I freaking love this movie. Like this movie is it is strange. It is unusual. But I think it taps into the same thing that Possessor Uncut did, um, where it is sort of an exploration of the loss of yourself and your ego and the sort of like things that break down if um, if you looked at the world a little differently, right? Like what if the rules of society didn't apply to you? What would it make you act like? What if the rules of God and nature were just, you could just like skip them because you're rich enough to do that. And what would that do to you? What would that do to your character and your soul? I think this movie is fascinating. It's not the easiest watch and it's not for everybody, but uh, you know, I kind of, I can't, maybe I'm a sicko, you know, maybe I felt like the sicko meme, the guy at the glass just going, <laughs> yes, um, watching this because this movie is very much that. Uh, I think it is fascinating to see Alexander Skarsgård go from being the Northman, like a freaking Adonis of a human being to here being a pathetic, pathetic man, a lowly little useless man. And to see Mia Goth, who is is on a tear. I have not seen Pearl yet, but I cannot wait to see Pearl because I, I pretty much have loved everything she's in. She is so good in that movie. This, and actually, it's, yeah. it's, you know, I did, we didn't mention that during our Oscar segment, but mm -hmm. like, it, it is a shame she wasn't nominated. Yes. I didn't think, I didn't really Pearl think she had a chance, but she was yeah. so good in Pearl. She was amazing in that movie. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, I, I would like yeah. to point out that Skarsgård is still an Adonis in this movie. Still, well, still <laughs> an Adonis, <laughs> but also points, like, but yeah. he's still pathetic. an Adonis. Like a yeah. little, little sad man. Like he, he has no sense of self basically because, you know, know um he's a kind of a failed author you know he's moved to off of his rich wife and as a, as a man he does not feel like a man where's the northman mm -hmm. he lived by code you know he had three lines that he repeated to himself that made him strong this man not strong not yeah. strong at all also <laughs> this like man to, not strong this man not strong <laughs> um would also like to point out like alexander skarsgård still has the best imdb profile photo like him in a tux top and no pants Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is the energy he's kind of bringing this like mm -hmm. he's a little silly in this movie he's a little unhinged um mia goth is fully unhinged <laughs> and she is so entertaining like yeah she's that's so the thing like you're either in yeah. it you're either in it for mia goth waving a pistol around and shouting james like a freaking <laughs> like one of the characters from the warriors or yeah. you're not right like you were you're in a vibe for this movie or you're not and i was very much um in the vibe for this movie i adore this movie um i've been reading a bunch of reviews for it and it, it's pretty mixed but it is generally well liked and somebody pointed out like i think david cronenberg was always great about the um he explored the body right the dissolution of the body uh, mm -hmm. how the body breaks down how it's all connected brandon cronenberg ex exploring the breakdown of your soul and I think that is fascinating. So yeah, I liked it. Not the worst movie I've ever seen. Probably <laughs> one of the best like viewing experiences I had this year. 
you know. So, How are the yeah. individual seconds for you, though? They felt them. They felt real good. The way they like strung together one after another, I really enjoyed them. Wow, the way they were like in sequence, like consecutively, mm-hmm. that was a strong point for you. Um, Jeff Kanata, I am so curious. <laughs> What I'm you sorry, thought. Jeff. I'm sorry we we forced <laughs> what you thought movie it. Upon for you. those for those who don't know, Jeff is the one of us that out of the three of us, Jeff likes horror movies the least. And the fact that we've been reviewing horror movies nonstop I on this I podcast, I would not even call this a horror movie, but I, I sure I guess it kind of fits in. It's there. It's a horror movie. It's yeah. a horror movie. Um, but anyway, what's the Jeff, difference between a horror thriller and just a, a very violent thriller and a horror movie? You know, mm, very little. You saw <laughs> yeah. saw a horror movie. You know, like I, it's true. People, I think people call this saw is a horror true. movie, but yeah. I think this is the most horror movie we've reviewed. It's definitely existential horror. It's <laughs> definitely mean, horror. Compare about this to Sick. That's mm-hmm. like a slasher movie. I was never scared in Sick. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whatever. I mean, not that. Right. Well, that's Jeff, true. Kanata, Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Infinity Pool? Well, I guess you could say what I thought of Infinity Pool is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Like a real Infinity Pool. Dip into this movie and you'll think by the end you will comprehend where it goes, but no, it's just cruel. Wow. Okay. Mm. All right. I did not hate this movie. Mm. I did not. Awesome. Uh, I, I thought this movie was fascinating, like Devendra. Mm-hmm. I wish it had more... Meat on the bone. Yeah, sure. I, I yeah, wish yeah, it, yeah. it it landed somewhere. Yeah, uh, because it has some fascinating ideas that it seems completely uninterested in pursuing. It is a movie that I think is more. It, it gets. It, it feels to me like this movie gets sidetracked into all of the body horror, psychological horror, uh, mess you up and show you things that are so disturbing that it it loses the thread for me. But the thread was really interesting. Like the hook of this movie. I did not know going in that there are some sci-fi elements to Mm -hmm. this movie. Mm -hmm. And the the central concept around which the plot revolves is really so strong and interesting. Yep. And one I wanted to see explored more. This movie is not interested in that. It doesn't care about yeah, that. that. That thing, which we will talk about in spoilers, also raises some interesting questions about this poor uh, island. Well, tons know, of, I mean, <laughs> tons of questions. But like the movie doesn't care yeah. about any of that. The, you would the not movie be is, poor if you were able to do that. We, but okay. Yes, right. <laughs> okay. If you could do that, you would use it for this purpose? It yeah. feels, you're thinking very small. You're thinking very small. But... I don't even care about that. I mean, the movie yada, yada, yada is that, right? It doesn't, it doesn't. And that's not even my issue. Like, mm-hmm, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm fine with just going, okay, the given circumstances are, you can do this and we're going to use it for this. I'll buy, I'll, I'll suspend my disbelief for that. But I, but I then would like you to kind of follow that pathway a little bit more. And this movie gets you sort of half, or for me, I only speak to myself. It, it brought me into a, enough where I was like, I am, I'm invested in this. I kind of care about these characters. I, I'm drawn into the drama, the sort of every man, what would you do in this situation questions that it asks? Because there's a lot of that. There's a lot of, I mean, the central, the, the plot description that Dave read, like the, the, the central violent act that is the inciting incident of this movie is a very interesting, what would you do situation, right? 
I'm invested. I'm I'm completely invested in 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 that. And I'm I'm like, oh my gosh, do I I love this movie? I think I might. It's fascinating. But then it just completely, I think it completely frays and loses the thread of its own tail. And and it gets into this just like, okay, we're it's all it's all chaos. And then where it ends up, I, I found completely unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. So that's why I tried to draw the metaphor in my limerick of an infinity pool. It's like you get in the infinity pool, you're like, wow, where does this infinity pool go? Oh, not any, it's there's no <laughs> real point. Mm, nice. And that's kind of maybe that's the maybe that's the metaphor the movie's going for. I don't think so. I think it <laughs> I think it fails, in my opinion, to be greater than the sum of its parts, to be more than just each second. Uh I do mm-hmm. not agree that that each second is vile or 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 bad. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the movie that I think is gratuitous mm-hmm. and unnecessary in the sense of like, there's a couple seconds in the middle that are really interesting. Too. I guess they're like, they're yeah. unnecessary ultimately, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, it definitely makes me feel icky. It definitely made me feel gross. It's definitely lots of stuff that I uh, turned my head away from it at certain moments of like, just, it's so off-putting. And that would be okay, honestly, if that was in service of something I felt great, grander. Because I, I was with this movie. And if you want to bring me to that place of kind of gross, disgusting self-reflection, I was willing to go there with it. And to a certain extent, I did. But ultimately, I just didn't feel like it was in service of something that I took away from the film as being really substantial. I think I almost completely agree with Jeff's review on this one. Um, wow. I thought the first 30 minutes of this movie, I was like in awe. I was like, this is like one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I was like, so on board. I was like, oh, I'm so happy I'm watching this. I'm so happy we're reviewing it. This is amazing. Brandon Cronenberg's a genius. I was like, every part of this is so good. I just love the way the movie looks. Like it's shot um, mm-hmm. in a in a sort of bigger aspect ratio than many of the movies that that doesn't make any sense. Like taller aspect ratio. Is yes. what I mean to say, right? Yeah. Like where a lot of movies are shot like anamorphic where like super widescreen. This one is like, uh, the characters heads fill up the entire screen in a way that they don't typically, uh, when you go see a movie. And I, I love the way it was shot. I love kind of the premise. Um, and one of the things that I think the Cronenbergs do really well is practical effects. You know, they understand the power of doing things in camera. Hey, mm-hmm. there's a guy in like Crimes of the Future that has this like weird chair that like rocks back and forth. Let's go out and build the chair for build real. Chair. You, know, like, you get to see um, how it reacts to the human body. Yeah. We have a place yeah. where we're going to execute someone that looks like extremely has like lattice cross lattice work, you know, framework on the roof. Like, let's go out and find a place that looks like that or build it. Like step in the goo. Step, yeah, step in the goo in, like, for real. Yeah, like step in mm-hmm. the goo, you know, like, oh, do this. Um, (laughs) do this for real, you know, like there's all this kind of amazing practical work. I was just like, this is amazing. And then I think it really loses steam by the end. Like the idea is it is it explore it's exploring in its first half to me are way more interesting than the ideas it's exploring in its second half. Agreed. Um, but the thing is it it started from such a strong position that Mm -hmm. even though it fell down quite a bit, I still ended up really liking the movie overall, you know, like I'm like, what a, what a worthwhile, interesting experience. I'm glad I had it. Um, but it, it, it could have been like, oh, wow, this is my number one movie of the year already. Sure. 2023 is over sure. already. Uh, masterpiece. And it didn't quite hit that. Um, but still, an experience I quite enjoyed. So 
Uh, I think there's a lot more to discuss, but we really should dive into spoilers. Any anything else before we get to spoilers? Are we good? Yeah. Uh, don't um, watch it with your family. How about that? <laughs> don't bring a kid. Don't bring a kid. I, I to those those at the beginning of this episode, I walked into a movie theater with a bunch of single viewing dudes, and I was like, "Well, that tracks." <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to spoilers for uh, Infinity Pool starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. If you are listening with children, uh, I would say, what is wrong with you? Don't don't <laughs> for listen this episode. To, don't listen to the rest of this episode with children. Um, but there is a um, so. To, to answer a question that's been simmering on people's minds since we started talking about this on the on the podcast version of it, I love, uh, I love, by the way, I love the idea of like gather around, children. Let's all sit around the podcast box and listen. Listen, uh, Dave Chen and the boys is going to talk about Infinity Pool. Let's, we love going into the pool, don't you, children? All right, let's all sit down and see what they think of Infinity Pool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, apparently, uh, what was taken out to get this from an X or NC-17 rating to an R was, um, there's a shot of, uh, Scarred Guard climaxing. Yep. Uh, so you saw that, Divindra. You, you don't, I, I, saw I did see that. Well, yeah. I saw, I saw stuff landing on rocks. No, 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 like no, no you, you actually saw the actual thing. Oh, shooting I mean, out? I saw yeah, whatever shooting, they shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of the Wang so, Danger? Of his Wang yeah, Danger? Yeah, that's my yeah, understanding. Yeah. That's my wow. understanding. So, so right. not all of us were blessed. Did you guys see Scars Guard, uh, what, what he's guarding? Did you actually visibly see anything? No. no. Okay. So that yeah. was you yeah. saw you definitely saw Mia Scoth's hands around something, and mm, those are usually yeah. prosthetic. So that was there. Yeah. There is um in the orgy scene, there's there's like a lot of stuff that I yeah, can imagine they, they wanted to trim. There quite is a, a bit. seven minute psychedelic orgy scene in this movie, basically. And yeah, they they yeah. trimmed out some stuff. It was actually really funny to read in the New York Times. They're like, uh they they people in the MPAA were convinced they saw a penis. And it was actually just someone's finger, and they had to like go back and like freeze frame it yeah, and be like, frame. "Look, it's just it's just a finger." Um, just, but I, well, I will there say- is one point where, yeah, this is a weird movie, guys. But there's a one point where we're looking at a shot of looks like a vagina that basically transforms into a penis, and I think that was the finger. So mm, maybe, yeah, yeah. But okay. But what I love, I think, I think in Possessor, his last movie, uh, all of the stuff the visual effects were all done like in camera. They're all yeah. done using like lighting effects and lenses. And I'm not sure if that's the case with infinity pool, but it seems like it certainly could have been. And there's something really cool about that. You know, there's something just really like, Oh, it feels like there's an actual thing happening in front of me. It's mm-hmm. not just all made in the way the light right? reflects off yeah. of everybody. Like it feels more grounded and more real. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking, I don't know how much of the, uh, the final end, like face stomping eyeball squishing you saw at the end, but I feel like they probably would have trimmed a little bit of that. Mm, yeah. Not, 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 not very much of that. Like it yeah. was, you saw him like bash the guy's face, yeah. in, but not really. And there's much. like yeah. squished eyeball mm. on, on the ground. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't see I don't that in movies that. a lot. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so here's here's some. I just want to praise a couple of other things, right? Mm-hmm. I I love like all the design, like all the focus on viscera and goo mm-hmm. and like liquid, like you know, like he steps into the thing and then he gets his double made. You know, it's like he steps into this like gross liquid and like when people get killed, you see it, like the, the camera like focuses on the, all their blood and it's like Brandon Cronenberg wants you to like feel the the sort literally experience the viscera from inside people 
mm-hmm. like on screen in a way that very few filmmakers do. And I, I, think, I appreciate that, right? Yeah. I think he does. It's even more than that, Dave. I think there is a lingering with these extreme close-ups on lots of things, not just mm-hmm. viscera, but he'll do that with a, a headlight of a car. Mm-hmm. He'll do that with, we get an extreme close-up of someone's mouth. Yes, well, yes. There, there are these, yeah, these yeah. exceedingly close, tight shots of things that make you look at them in a way that just mm-hmm. seeing them in a wider shot would not. Yeah. Yeah. And we're forced to witness them. That is the theme of this uh, yes. this episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, I, I just love the way the movie looks and is shot. Um, mm-hmm. And and I talked about the aspect ratio, how it's like a taller aspect ratio than like anamorphic, and like it really, it really is a vivid experience watching it in a theater. Um, I also just love like how all, all the all the structures, you know, in the in the movie, like uh, the the police station when he's taking the person to be executed, like all, all the stuff leading up to the double being executed the first time. I just thought was amazing. Really like, well done. Him going in to view the double mm-hmm. for the first time, like oh that moment when the double like goes. <gasps> yeah, they, oh. they look like they're in this like big like warehouse structure. It's like where are like just the creativity to like find all these interesting looking places. I was just like. So, so on good. board with this movie, but also um, the, the the basic setting too. Like this movie feels like the White Lotus, but like really cranked up, like really on on yeah. all the drugs at the same time. Because it's like, yeah, you're in a you're in a resort, and like yeah, we're going to talk about class and privilege, and you know you being rich and the rest being poor. But this resort is surrounded by a barbed wire fence. Like the resort itself is like a prison. Yeah, the need, resort, the resort itself, like to get felt out. like very yeah, very possible. I not allowed I liked to leave. It. I, I also got to say, I liked also that like um, the fictional place, they didn't use like, yeah, it, they, they didn't use like um, different race of people to symbolize this other place. It was like a lot of white people. I think it was like multiracial, actually, this yeah. fictional country. It, it feels um, like one of those like things near Croatia that people vacation at now. Yeah, They're like, oh, yeah. sure, that country. Yes, I've heard of that before. Yeah, sure. But I, I did appreciate that it was like they used yeah. like a lot of white people in this place as opposed to like othering some other group of people. Well, you know, I also appreciated nice. the sort of like commentary on on racism at these sort of resorts too where it's it's not it's very much on the nose but definitely come get chinese food at, at this tropical <laughs> yeah. let's learn bollywood dance yeah. and <laughs> yeah, i yeah, honestly yeah. i felt like some yeah, of those that things that were good, maybe yeah. unnecessary because they do distract from like what this movie mm-hmm. is actually mm-hmm. getting at but um you know but, yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I I love just like all the design, the physicality of everything. Um, the part where I cackled out loud was uh, the moment when the detective hands over the urn. Yep. And he's like, "Here's the ashes of your double. Like, consider yep. it like a souvenir." And then I <laughs> I literally just started like laughing. I was the only person in the theater laughing. Yeah. I was like, I laughed that so is much hilarious. at this movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, I, I think it's a really interesting question. If there were no consequences for your crime, how mm-hmm. would you behave differently? That's mm-hmm. a really interesting question. Yeah. Right? You, like, you are in a, a, a no, basically rules of normal society do not apply yeah. here. You're rich would, enough would that to. Change, would, would you do different things? Would that change who you are, what you do? Uh-huh. Really fascinating. And as Jeff said, the movie seems completely uninterested in exploring that and instead just goes into kind of this, um, hey, be a bigger man. Like, like, you know, you're not enough of a man. You're kind of a weak man. Like, why mm-hmm. can't you be a bigger man? I'm going to challenge you to be a bigger man. And that's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like Tyler Durden, you know, doing the mm-hmm. 
scene in Fight Club where he like says mm-hmm. you're going to be a veterinarian, you know, like. But it definitely it goes even it it is that a concept, but I think it goes even harder, right? Where you're introduced to first of all, you uh, I really like Cleopatra Coleman in this movie, and I wish she had more to do, um, because she has the sort of like look of like horror compared to like uh, what did we just experience? How can we be here? And the sort of like slow intrigue of Alexander Skarsgård character into this world, the way Mia Goth kind of brings him in and seduces him in. But the way they break him down at the end, it's just all the realizations like your book fucking sucked, dude. Nobody read your book. You little pathetic man. Oh, you thought you had fans. That's hilarious. Um, the, All those little things, the way bre- they break him down and it's... um. They're they're a little club. They're a little club of like. I appreciated how over the top it was, and you know the the shot of Mia Goth screaming, "James, you big baby!" (laughs) You know, like that's gonna be like memed forever. It's an amazing sequence, you know. But thematically, it just Mm -hmm, isn't mm -hmm. as interesting to me as that other stuff. Like I know it's part of it. It's part of like, hey, we want to unlock something in James now, right? Because you can do anything you want, so we're gonna unlock this part of you. But it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they kind yeah. of did though, because like the the what I love is like you have the final sequence. You have Mia Goth on the car, just reclining, like basically seeing her. She is the queen of this pride. Like she is everybody here is basically doing what she, her command, yeah. her presence in that scene, just just incredible. And then the final bit, I think the 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 finishing touch of this movie is they're at the airport or they're on the bus to the airport. They're like, yeah, I think we're gonna you know redo the kitchen. You know, I think we're gonna. How how's your family doing? That sense of normalcy and James being like, what is happening? Like, how can I comprehend what's happening here? And the movie ends with him, you know, basically embracing monsoon season because he he just wants to. The, yeah, the question is what what is he it? stays he, he stays leave? behind he doesn't he, stays he, behind. he can't leave yeah. he can't leave but also does the real world not have enough like can, he can't make that transition anymore mm-hmm. i found that mm-hmm. kind of fascinating yeah like, yeah when, yeah, yeah. Uh, well i i want to ask jeff what because jeff i think this is your first exposure to mia goth right i don't think you saw x or you, you, you didn't see pearl right so i did but, not no she's extraordinary yeah, yeah. um i, I want to hear more about that but i, I do yeah. want to say like you can imagine divindra a movie where um there wasn't Mia Goth tormenting Alexander Skarsgård character. It was just like Alexander Skarsgård like discovering for himself what he would do in this situation, right? Sure, sure. And I then mean, I, think, I could imagine that. That doesn't yeah. sound as fun. It's the, it's definitely yeah. not as unhinged and wild as this movie, but I do think yeah. it might be more thematically interesting to me personally. Maybe. maybe. I also yeah. want to shout out A Cure for Wellness. I don't know if you saw that, Jeff, but Mia Goth mm. was also fantastic in that. She's, she's mm. so good. She's yeah. so good in everything. Yeah, yeah so Jeff, what do you think of Mia Goth's performance of this? I mean, she's amazing. Of, she's, yeah. she's She really is. Um, yeah. uh, it, it is... It is um, disarming and and terrifying all at the same time you know she is she she is temptation she is uh from the very beginning you you understand that she's trouble like she comes up in the most sweet lovely way and, yeah. you, and you go i'm your biggest fan never trust anybody who says that trouble with a capital t uh, and then the way she comes up and just you know just grabs him and and you know manipulates him in the in the center there and it's like Wow, that is uh, intense. It's, it, it, and then obviously we get that ramp up into complete Looney Town. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but like, I don't know. I the, the, I agree with you, Dave. That the the end sequence, like all of that, could have I think landed so much more powerfully, so much more interestingly. This idea of oh, we bring out a version of you who's been tamed like a dog and I'm going to ask you to kill it. And, and how does that scene end? Oh, he just su- sucks at her nipple. Like it just felt like 
what does that symbolize though? Like a, a return to he's he's infant infantile. Yeah, he's regressing. And he's, he is you yeah, know, his but, purest okay. form. He yeah, wins. His, his purest I form. Mean, yeah. I'm sure you don't care, but I'm like I'm more interested. Okay, why of it? You know what is it trying to say? And like that's it. Like you see the Northman, you see Skarsgård from True Blood, this Adonis of a man being little baby sucking on Miagoth's teeth, and <laughs> that image is just like oh man. I have not I have not seen a man like this broken down so much in a single film. Mm. You know, he, he doesn't start in a really strong place at the beginning. He sort of like doesn't know where he is. Clearly, like he's a little lost, but I don't know. I found but what that is that yeah. ultimately what does that mean to you? Like what what does that mean for him as a character? Like what, what he can't he can't leave that place by the end. Why? What have I mean, we learned I think, about I him? I think like it is, especially that sort of, he is not able to make that switch back into normal life, right? Like I don't, yeah. he's not going to stay there yeah. forever, but he's, I think he, it he's is. He's finally free yeah. to be who he feels he, he's finally feels like completely self-actualized to be who he wants to be, um, you know. But he can I, only do that there. And he once he leaves, he has to adapt back to normal society. And I don't yeah. think he can. I don't think he's ready. He's ready. Yeah. Because, well, what does because, self-actualizing mean to you? Like, what, do, do you think he wants to be the person who can do anything without repercussions yes. or has he, he been mm -hmm. severe, you know chastised enough that and betrayed by those those impulses like he's mm -hmm. been completely betrayed by those impulses right like no, er, yeah. all of those people turned on him and destroyed him and beat him down and turned him into that baby like why does he yearn for that i don't i feel like the, the movie is at cross purposes with itself mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. the end and i i don't know what yeah. to take away from it i don't it's know sort what of like hold on, uh, hold on. i actually yeah, let yeah. me just I, I don't know if i agree with your interpretation jeff because i think that you're saying all these people tortured him they only tortured him because he wouldn't go along with their yeah. plan which was for him to do uh to like inflict damage and wreak hell on other people like that they wanted him to be the fullest version of who he was and when they didn't when he didn't want to go along with that that's when they attacked him Right. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's not that's my interpretation. My, that's not my takeaway from yeah. that, especially sure. because okay. by, by her saying, Hey, we never liked you. We never thought your book was good. It was everything we did was a lie. Mm -hmm. I did not take away that. Oh, they want him to be this. Th I, my interpretation, and maybe I'm completely off base is that they always, he was always a plaything for them. The, he no, was sure. never yeah. going to be one of them. He was never going to be in the club for real, no matter what he did, yeah. because he was always their pet, their plaything, their dog. I think you kind of start out, I think the person they find that year, the newbie, that is who you are. And maybe the next time you go, because they, clearly they've been doing this for a while. Yeah, well, that's another um, thing. At the end, she's like, hey, we'll, she's like, we'll see you next year, basically, yeah. right? So yeah. it's like, but yeah, I think you have a good point there, Jeff, of like, definitely there is this kind of abuser, abused relationship between the two of them. And I don't want to ignore that, but um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe it is like, hey, once you go through this hazing process, then you're one of us. Mm -hmm. You know, we've I, all covered Comic Con, you know, and then you, <laughs> you get exactly back the same. and it's you're really, like, if you've orgies, never been in Hall H, it's I basically miss literally, it. I miss the hell. <laughs> the orgies are a little different, Devendra, but yeah, they are yeah, just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, fewer <laughs> anime characters. But yeah, I, I felt it's like, hey, here's here's someone who we can like bat around, but also like maybe help to help this person to understand who they are mm -hmm. a little bit. No, he's I did he not get that. One of them. I, don't know, I don't know that he's a he's an attractive rich man. He is one of them, and he's just like we're just helping you, buddy. Like I I felt like it is a self actualization. Sure, it's it involves a lot of abuse, but at the end of the day, they have another member of their club 
And I feel like that to me, that was kind of, yeah, it. That's, yeah. That, 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 I kind of agree with Devendra on this. I don't, I don't think it's purely like, we're just going to torture you and that's it. Period. The end that's, you know, but you I know, think who knows? that's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I had the uh, incorrect reading of it, but yeah. part of why I think he doesn't leave is because he's not part of the club. He can't, he doesn't just jump in and jump out of, of this mode. Well, he, and, he's certainly more mentally fragile than they are, you know, mm-hmm. I think right. is part of it, but yeah. I don't know. But anyway, I, sorry, go I, ahead. Didn't, I didn't yeah. view it as a hazing. Maybe, maybe that's wrong. Maybe it was all supposed to be turning him into one of them. But mm-hmm. my, of my us, reading, one of us. Yeah. Well, my yeah. reading of the end is that you will never be, you, you were, the intent was never to make you one of us. We lied to you to lure you into a sense of, of thinking you could possibly be one. To, it's the, you know, it's the nerd who gets the, who gets invited to the jock party and they're, it, it was all a joke the whole time. It's like, mm-hmm. look, the nerd actually showed up. You yes, were never going to be one of the us. End. They're not you know? mocking him at the end. Yeah. Like it, they're all like but they're together. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. But they're not. He's in the back of the bus by himself and they're not talking to him. I don't know. I don't they're talking to each other and he's there. They're talking to each other. But and yeah. then he can't um, go. He doesn't go. He I does. Know. I think the main thing is he does basically the, the horrible act that they were kind of pushing him to do. The thing that would really break your humanity and your soul is killing yourself, you know, beating yourself to death. And he accomplishes that in the finale yeah. and that 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 to me is the entry point that is the golden ticket to the club so he's yeah. it yeah all right folks well a uh, lot of strong thoughts about the movie but what would you do with your clones everybody <laughs> dude the idea that you could make a clone and the best thing yeah. you could think to do on it is let it die for your crimes is <laughs> that technology should be shared with the world. small <laughs> thinking is what i'm saying yeah. so we, we yeah. need to think indeed. bigger on this one indeed indeed <laughs> well at the end of the day it's really impressive that brandon cronenberg made a movie uh, all right, folks, that's going to bring us into this week's episode of the Filmcast. Find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his new band, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week, it's going to be the new M Night. Knock at the oh, cabin. Oh, man. Yeah, baby. Knock at the cabin. Continuing uh, the. Filmcast evolution into the slasher filmcast, uh, and exclusively car- covering horror movies. But uh, it should be a fun time. Any anytime M nights in theaters, it's always at least interesting. So looking forward to talking with it with you guys about uh, Knock at the Cabin next week here on the Filmcast. Goodbye. Bye.